Hello, welcome to some derps talk about games. Some call me the Martian Mango Hunter. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Before we do that, what are the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, that's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games and also Zack Snyder films. <laughs> you know, like, what an undercurrent to to the, the course of... Uh, <laughs> The Subderbs Talk About Caves podcast, which started a couple of months before BBS came out. And BBS was our very first movie episode that was outside of the realm of games, right? Because I was so hyped for it um, that we had to talk about it. Um, and now here we are five years later and, and the Snyder Cut is out and it's, and it's released. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into spoilers. I guess technically I opened with a spoiler, but who cares? Um <laughs> Let's uh, let's let's give our our, our pre spoilery impressions. Sure. Um, I mean, we've discussed a little bit outside of the cast. So, so you want to go first? Yeah. So, uh, man, I, I wrote something that was very that was very concise that I liked a lot. I said I do think it's good, but not great. Uh, I lament that it's not more complex or interesting, uh, but it is absolutely better than the theatrical. I absolutely think it's worth a watch, though probably as a two parter. I watched it parts one, two, three. Uh, then four, five, six, which I think is you know like the correct way to watch it in a lot of ways. Um, like I've read and I've talked to, to people who said that like going the full four hours is like woof. And um, and I feel like if I had done the full four hours, I would have been in that exact same place. But just kind of like a quirk of how I watched it happened to cut it in half, which felt great for me. Um, I also think that uh, this movie is very, like this movie is good, and it could be like really really good. Um, but there's, like, a lot of bullshit in here <laughs> that, that kind of, like, brings it down, which makes me a little bit sad to say, like, I wanted to come in here and say, like, it's the greatest thing of all time, but... Yeah, you know. no, that's probably, that's probably the biggest surprise for, for me of this is that you didn't absolutely adore it. I, I, listen, I absolutely loved it, right? I absolutely loved it, but I, like, you know, I, I'm not, like, busting down the door in the same way that I have with some of these other films. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's perfectly fair. I actually, um... I so I similarly I thought it was good. I didn't think it was. Or, hmm. I said for I'll stand by this. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad, but I don't know. Like you know, and like you know, that's like splitting hairs at some point. Like on a ten point scale, I said it was somewhere I mean, between a six, six and a seven. Six, seven. six yeah. or seven is some flavor of good. That's yeah. mild good, right? Yeah, I mean it, it. It depends on like the net promoter score level. That's like negative to to neutral, um, but that's that's either here nor there. Um, I thought it was much better than the theatrical cut. Right, like, um, is really made me. I and I was kind of nice to the theatrical cut. Well, we'll talk about this stuff in spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, somebody, some people have characterized this like a giant middle finger to Joss Whedon, and like, I'd be like, yes, and he kind of deserved it. Like after watching, you know, just like kind of seeing what what came out of this uh, instead. Um, I would say like, I would say, hmm. so so. What one of our friends, a friend of the cast, JB said, so. Good enough for me to watch it, but not enough to force other people to watch it with me. And I think that's a pretty good summation, right? Like, if you're a comics person uh, or you care, you, know, you follow this stuff, I'd say it's worth a watch. I did the whole, I did the straight four-hour stint. Um, I thought it felt longer. Did you have a hard time with it? Um, uh, so, you know, I, I was watching it with companies, so I was able to kind of, uh, you know, talk a little bit about it, which made it a little bit more bearable. But it did, it felt longer than four hours. Like, it, it felt okay. like a slog. Um, not that it was... Like not that it was terrible, but like it's just kind of like this. This is a long like this. This was like the entire night, right? Like, uh, um, 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I think I could get behind the you know splitting it into two. Um, the red letter meter guys point out there's like a natural cutting point like right after the the first battle with Steppenwolf. Um, yeah, that is the that is right after the three in the one two three that I that I lined up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, these are, you know, soft recommend, I guess is the way to put it. Um, uh, you know, bet, bet, so I'll say it's better than Iron Man 3. So. Wow. Uh, Wait, really? So where, where would this fall in? Like your, that's oh, interesting. Where do I, where do I think? This yeah. So I don't know. So like Iron Man 3 is the worst is, you know, famously my, my least like Marvel movie. I don't know if I, let me, let me, let me bring up my Marvel movie. Yeah, rankings. I need to find my, my Marvel notes. To remember where some of my uh yeah yeah where some of my rankings were because like my instinct is to say that i liked it better than infinity war and endgame um but is that actually so i would do that but i you know we also had different rankings um wow i said endgame was second worst wow i kind of forgot how how low i ranked that oh uh, hmm and then infinity war is yeah I, okay all right so i'd put it around iron man 2 which for me um, puts it above Thor 1, Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 3. Okay, yeah, I would also put it around Iron Man 2. I would maybe put it above Thor Ragnarok, which is just under Spider-Man Far From Home, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I guess is fairly favorable overall. But yeah. I'm looking at some of these ones, right? Like, I like it better than, um, uh, it's like Thor, Hulk, Thor 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Iron Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I like it better than all of those. I also think I like it more with Thor Ragnarok. It feels a lot like Thor Ragnarok to me. Okay, see, um, I, I really like Thor Ragnarok, so th th that doesn't work for me. But, you know, it, it's, it's in that kind of, like, you know, it, it's bottom third, not terrible, um, you know, type of, type of area. But I will say that I actually think that this could have been in another world, like in an alternate universe. This could have been, like, top caliber avengers age of ultron some of my favorite you know like some of my favorite stuff just because like there's a lot of like there's a lot of bullshit in here that i would want to i would want to strip out like i think you could make a very very good three-hour movie out of this by yeah. like taking some of the taking some of the bloat out i think i agree with you i also think i think that the the, the movie has some. I, I think we should probably move into spoilers at this point right yeah okay yeah, yeah let's talk about spoilers for sure all right so so well I guess. So, how do you want to start? This, is, this has been your your. Maybe, you know, maybe thing we can talk project. about the theatrical. Ver this has really given me a poor view of the theatrical cut. Like something I said about the theatrical cut at the time is that some of the jokes landed for me and some of them didn't. Right, and I was like, you know, like that's that's fine, that's natural. I like that there's like a little bit more sort of like upbeat humor in here than there was in like BVS and Man of Steel, though I maintain that BVS and Man of Steel also have plenty of humor in them. People just don't think about or ignore it. Um, and the, having them back to back has just proven that like, I don't know, maybe like maybe he actually did keep Joss Whedon jokes. I kind of assumed all jokes were additions by Joss Whedon at the time, right? Um, but now I'm in this position where half of the jokes... Okay, <laughs> now I'm in this sort of position where <laughs> where half of the jokes are um, are like still in the movie, and I guess we are to assume they are Snyder cut jokes, right? 
and half of the jokes are not in the movie, which we are to assume are Joss Whedon editions. And it would actually make sense if that were to be the case, but we can't actually, like, prove it. Like, hypothetically speaking, Zack Snyder could have just looked at a couple of these, like, Joss Whedon jokes and been like, you know what, let's well, So, according, according to lore, he's never seen the theatrical release. Like, his wife and, uh, and oh, Christopher Nolan Christopher told... Nolan, yeah. friends with Christopher Nolan. They were like, don't watch this. Watch yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, that's fair. I guess I guess then I do have to just, like, say, boy, Joss Whedon, you really fucking screwed the pooch, man. Yeah. Like, so, wow. Because every joke that was bad that I thought of at the time, and I was like, this is one that's pretty stupid and bad and I don't like. But then there were jokes in there where it's like Alfred, you know, like, cracking wise at Master Wayne about whatever. Like I, I like I always love those jokes. I think that those jokes are those jokes are great. So those are still in there. And actually, plenty of the Flash's jokes are in there. Like, his personality is absolutely the same but he doesn't go on this like super awkward like thing about brunch it's the brunch show that everyone complains about because it's like maybe the worst of them in the theatrical cut uh but the other thing that it made me realize about the theatrical cut is um you know like i talk about narrative arthritis where like moments happen too quickly next to each other you just go like pop 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 just having the space to breathe between them um and having the time to establish motivation for things to happen was like huge and i think is probably the reason that this is a well-reviewed movie at like the current moment right? yeah no i i think this is true for like a lot of movies that we've talked about right that like feel, yeah. things feel like they don't have the space to breathe ever, ever ever since the like kind of advent of you know like widely available prestige television on streaming services um but just to kind of get back to that point, like the only the, so I didn't rewatch the theatrical cut in preparation. Mm. I probably should have, but I remember like enjoying the Flash in the original. In this one, I absolutely hated him. He just felt so cringe, so cringe. Really? Yeah. Like wow. Every okay. every time he spoke, I was just like, stop, stop talking, just stop. Um, and like you know, like at the time, I wanted to attribute that to like him just him feeling like an MCU character like shoved into a Zack Snyder film. And, like, it working worse in the Zack Snyder cut because it was more Zack Snyder than Joss Whedon who tried to Marvelify the original Justice League, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that'll hold up on a, on a rewatching of, of, of either or both movies. But, like, I just, I, like, you know, I couldn't stand just a lot of his, like, a lot of everything that happened with him. I liked, I liked um, the kind of the intro scene. Um uh, like I couldn't stand him talking in it, but like like the the part where like he does the like you know where where the car flips, and uh, he he saves he saves the woman. Um, I thought that was I thought that was cool. Um, I you know just kind of in like a personal note, I just didn't like the way they did super speed for him. Like I like the I like the way they do they did Quicksilver in the X Men movies much better. Um, like he, it felt like he kind of like you know when the Flash does it, it feels kind of like they stop. They stop time and he kind of like walks around in it, whereas like it feels like Quicksilver's moving fast in the X Men movies, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it's it's this is a weird and very niche point, and I won't I won't uh I won't uh I won't hang on it too long, but like it 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 it, it just feels different to me in a way that I I didn't super like. Um, the one thing I liked about the Flash's humor is it did seem more derivative of his, like, character. And derivative is, like, a weird... That has a bad connotation, but I mean to say that, like, the humor itself was derived from his character and felt like things he would actually say. I think a problem that Marvel movies run into some of the time is that they're so quippy, right? That, like, it takes on this, like, surreality. Nobody actually, you know, kicking the shit out of each other 
are cracking wise. Right. right. Or whatever. Like, you can say badass one-liners, and there's badass one-liners. Like, that's fair, I guess. Um, but there's something about, like, I don't know, like, like the Falcon and Spider-Man having banter as they're, like, beating each other up in, like, the Civil War airport scene that I find to be unrealistic. Whereas sure. this is a, an example of the Flash is a is his humor is realistically driven from where he is at any individual kind of like moment in time. You know what? I will totally give you that. I just thought his character was super cringy. Um, Fair enough. Although apparently the yeah, audience I, mean, I do think all me. of the characters got much better, especially Cyborg. Oh yeah. Boy, you really understand why fucking Ray Fisher is so pissed. Oh yeah. Justice. Oh yeah, absolutely. He is a glorified extra in the theatrical cut compared to this, where he is like the heart and core of the narrative um and like an inextricable piece of how things progress and move forward um yeah i mean i i like i thought it was kind of some of the stuff was kind of ham-fisted like the scene where like they're walking into the lab and the dad sees him is like oh cancel that the threat is legit and no one's like like i just looked at that was like oh that like like you know that, that to me felt like almost like the uh, the Martha scene from BVS, which is like, you know, I get what they were going for, but it just didn't resonate with me. It just kind of felt it felt bad, and like I like I felt his story like, like I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it felt ham fisted. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Interesting. That is interesting. I guess that is a little bit like the Martha. That moment worked for me very well. I li- I liked it a lot actually, just as a. Because everybody gets their own arcs in this, which is yeah, great. No, it's, and it I was is great. Just like I can't believe how much I wanted that, right? Like, and this honestly makes it better than some of like the big Avengers movies, right? Um, in in a lot of ways, if I'm being honest, because like, you know, it's not just that individual character, like it's not just that like the team itself is sort of like progressing through being a team, but we are watching as you know, Cyborg is resolving issues with his dad, right? the flash saves the day and part of that is like a resolving of issues with his dad and like you know um watching diana who sort of you know you you kind of start a little bit in media res i guess because you find out through dialogue that she said no but like off screen right right and it kind of creates this air but then she actually does get like come in and get involved and sort of like come back to um like, come back to being a part of the team. I just think all that stuff was great. Plus, all of these, like, little character interactions. It seems like every character got, like, a little scene where they got to talk to one of the others, and they got to, like, bond. Right? Like, there's a moment where Aquaman is talking to, about Cyborg. And Aquaman is the pessimist on the team, right? He's yeah. the guy that's like, this isn't gonna work. We're not gonna make it work. And he's like, the guy just lost his dad, you know, and we're, like, asking him to do this. And it's like, that's a real, like, yeah. emotional acuity that we, that we would never have seen from the Aquaman in the theatrical cut. And that's funny because, like, I praised a bit that got cut, where, which was sort of the only cool thing that Aquaman did in that movie, where he sat on the lasso of truth and sort of just, like, talked about his character. That's a, That was a neat little moment in that cut. It was just blown away by what we have here, where, like, he gets to talk to Diana, and they're, like, you know, bonding about being outcasts from their, you know, um, from their, like, respective tribes or whatever. Um, where he talks about Cyborg, where he has this interaction with Batman that is, you know, that is great. I honestly think one of the big things is the distance between Aquaman's recruitment scene right at the start of the movie and sort of where the team comes together at the end of part three is a huge deal. Because when they come together on that rooftop, it does sort of feel like 
the unlikely heroes are like getting or, or a better way to explain this is when bruce wayne says like really to the flash when the flash is like yeah of course i'll join it's because you know for the last two hours we've been sitting in a world where bruce wayne hasn't really been able to convince people to get on to get on side yeah no no that 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 makes sense. That makes sense to me. Ragnarok points out that if the Avengers movie were four hours, they might have more bonding scenes, and I think I think yeah. that's not I mean, honestly the Avengers movies. By the way, do this. This is part of what I love about Age of Ultron. They absolutely do this in Age of Ultron, and it is really good. Uh, yeah, I, I, so. I, th I think part of the problem with the Avengers movies is that they are very willing to put a lot of the character development and the character arcs off into the solo movies, and those obviously yeah. don't have a lot of bonding because you don't you don't you know you don't always have multiple heroes in the movies, and so. Because they want to focus on the team stuff in the in the movie, you don't like the, the like that bonding is the is the thing that gets kind of lost in the mix, right? So, um, but this is all stuff that's very reminiscent of like them sitting around in the apartment with Mjolnir and trying mm. to trying to pick up Mjolnir. It's all it's like all of that kind of stuff. It's not as lighthearted as that stuff is. Yeah, obviously, yeah. like that is selling me on this is a group of friends, right? Um, which I don't think the Justice League is trying to sell me on, obviously. Right. Um, but it is the same sort of thing that I that I really want to see or like love to see. Yeah, no, I, and I, I I agree with you. I, I I think they do the characters pretty good justice in this movie. Uh, it's, it's I also like, think that they did better with Steppenwolf, and which is funny because like I recommended like the thing I wanted from Steppenwolf is to give him no fucking lines. He's just a force of nature. With who he doesn't need a fucking motivation. He doesn't need to tell me things. Uh, and that actually kind of ended up not being true. I liked this version of Steppenwolf quite a lot. Um, both in terms of, like, as a directive of action, what I call that. Like, you know, he has interesting powers and does visually cool stuff. Um, and as a, like, small character in an otherwise, like, big film who has his own sort of, like, goals and motivation. I w would not have thought that they would have been able to sell me on that sort of thing. Yeah, I, th but... I think I think if he had been just on his own, it would have been hard to do, but, like, putting him in the context of Darkseid, I think, worked. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and it... Especially his, like, little conversations with Darkseid and Desaad. Mm, 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 so yeah. good. Yeah, and also, there's space for it in a four-hour movie, right? Like, if, if this yeah. was a two-hour movie and we needed to, like, cut down some stuff to, like, I'd be like pull a lot of Steppenwolf stuff out of it and just kind of have him be the henchman, right, with, like, some, you know. But I, I did enjoy it. There were one thing, so this is, like, very small, but, like, his eyes in the new model, just, like, he looks like, he looks almost kind of like a doe, like, you know, like a, like a, like a, like a deer, like, that you like see, like, out in the forest, right? Like, they're just, like, the whites are, like, so big. I just, like, look at him, and it's, like, he looks, like, too cartoony to me. He looks almost like Bugs Bunny, but, like. Interesting. Well, I do think that them alien hemming up was much, was much better. The, you know, like the 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 version of him in the theatrical cut looks terrible. Yeah, no, which I, agree. I guess is just a matter of VFX. Like maybe you could have sold me on that. But I also just like the knife armor, the Edge Lord armor that he wears. I I thought that was cool just on its face. And I remember people clowning on this. Um, like I just like I was like, hey, he's covered in fucking knives. That's sweet, right? But then the way that it works in the like in the action of the movie, it makes it even better, right? Like he's getting hit with the arrows, and then there's that thing where they where they, like the armor chops them all off at the same time. What a fucking sick <laughs> moment, right? Or like there's parts where he's getting shot, I think, by Batman's like gun, and you can see that each time he gets shot, like the blades ripple. Or whatever, and I was just like, "What a neat little effect! That was so cool." Yeah, right. No, I I agree. The armor was great. His eyes were the things that bothered that, that bothered me. Yeah, like, for sure. Also, his freaky hands. He has he had it was like, I think his three fingers and like two thumbs 
or whatever, and I was just like all all on board for this. But the but the other thing is is that the action is so clear and much better when there is more time for it. Mm. Like I remember in the theatrical cut, I said all of the action was bad except for the Themyscira sequence, which I was correct about. I was like, I'm pretty sure that was Zack Snyder, and the rest of this has been cut, which turned out to be basically true. Um, and uh, and the Themyscira sequence is elongated. There's like more to it, and it's fucking awesome. Right? Like, there's a part I had to I, I rewound it. There's a part where he like takes that horse and he like just chucks the horse. I was like, yes, this is what I'm here for. He's like cutting Amazon's fucking heads off. Give me this, please. Like, oh yeah, no, like this 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 reminded. It wasn't quite as like as Wuja as as Watchmen was, but like it remind, you know like silly like you know not not silly, but like kind of like like unrealistic stuff but like that that was like still fun right like like shooting the yep. arrow to like drag the box forward to get it, it was like that is oh I that is like very like comics that. and that's fine you know it's, it's it's fine for what it was right like um, yeah or, or i mean my i think my favorite detail and this is one of those things right like zack snyder's obviously an action filmmaker who's very capable of making action films right like there's a moment where is fighting the amazons he catches an arrow right and then he later does that exact same thing to the missile and in the theatrical cut, that moment is, like, bad. Because he has... He, first of all, I think it's bad because he says dumb lines at the same time, right? But in this cut, it's actually a nice throwback because he do, he catches the, the missile and then he taunts Diana about the Amazons. Or maybe he taunts Diana about the Amazons and then catches the missile. And it's just, like... It just feels so much more kind of like a... Um, a like a cohesive, you know, like, project. And the weird thing is... Um, is that some of the action that I would have expected not to be, like, Joss Whedon's stuff. Um, like, so, for instance, in the theatrical cut, there's this weird part where they see the people being held hostage by Steppenwolf and then pause and tell some jokes and then go rescue the people, right? And at first, I thought that was, like, I was like, this is this is weird, but this doesn't feel like Joss Whedon to me, right? Like, Joss Whedon is a guy who's like, heroes are heroic, they go and they save people. As soon as they see people in danger, they jump into action. But it turned out, nope, pausing to tell dumb jokes was the Joss Whedon thing. In the in the Snyder Cut, as soon as Cyborg sees it, he rushes in. Like, and I, I don't know, that stuff just felt cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 feel, I feel like, you know, People people will shit on Joss Whedon for like the theatrical cut, but I feel like he was also between a rock and a hard place. You know, he's brought oh, in I it's think like absolutely Marvel the people fire, who right? are to blame are like studio executives. By the way, Nick in chat says he had seven fingers. It was like two fingers on the opposite side from the 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 thumb. So it's a lot that, of fingers. I guess that's where yeah, a lot of, a lot of fingers. <laughs> that's why I was able to throw that horse so so well. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I I had a lot of like little stuff that like like i thought was not great oh like um fucking every time they zoom in on diana they just play that like amazon singing thing i was like this is like this feels like a bad light motif to me like it was just like so grating and so like so like out like so different it stuck out to me did you have any thoughts oh, on that? oh interesting i loved the music i mean the my, my i think i tweeted this the number one difference to me between the theatrical and this cut was probably the music because it held together. You know, like, these are powerful lightning motifs. Obviously, I'm the person for it, right? I've seen yep. Man of Steel and BVS a million fucking times. Um, but we have established leitmotifs for Superman, for Batman, for Wonder Woman, right? Why are we not using them when they are doing the cool, awesome things that they do? 
Um, and yeah, exactly. Like you know, Phelan Chat says, "I love the music for for Diana." Me too, right? Like that electric cello, which is from BVS, and then later gets used in Wonder Woman. Like it's it is mind boggling to me that they did not carry this for it. I think this is one of the big things that, by the way, keeps um, the um, that keeps like the the DC movies. I would say like the DC movies are better than the Marvel movies. About is probably music. Like, um, really, in the Avengers, there's just the Avengers leitmotif. And all the other music is just, like, you know, invented on the spot. Which which seems terrible to me. If you're going to do this big, giant, connected universe, right, you should have consistent music from film to film, right? You can have these, like, I don't know... I don't, you just—it's it, not hard to have these kinds no, of like, light motifs and do something, uh, do something kind of like what happened to Justice League. No, I. And oh my God, the random singing that went on. For, this is the kind of shit that I would cut. This is why I'm saying that there's a really good three-hour movie hidden in hmm. here. There's so much shit. Oh yeah, when there's like singing him back into the ocean, I was like, what, what, what yeah. the hell is that about? <laughs> and she like sniffs I mean, his honest, sweater, like what? Yeah, she like big whiff just. <laughs> I actually kind of liked that moment in a, in a theoretical sense. I feel like if I read that moment on a script, I would say, oh, that's that's nice, right? Uh, the public doesn't really f- factor into this movie all that much. Uh, there's not a lot of in, into... Uh, there's not a lot of interest <laughs> in this film. <laughs> so Nick points With, out that like every time the Amazon music played, it said Ancient Lamentation music playing, which is just like kind of, <laughs> kind of like perfectly encapsulates why like it stuck out so much to me like i agree with you in general the music's great but it, but for the diana like it's just like it doesn't it's it's so different than everything else that plays and it's just so obvious it's like and here's wonder woman and it's time to have the women singing again right like it's yeah sorry but, oh, yeah. one other music thing i want to mention by the way is that when superman gets resurrected and he's like disoriented and fights everybody it plays the music from the i i, I I'm actually really sad that this music went away because it's probably my favorite piece of music in the in the DCEU, which is in Man of Steel. It's like the fight music, which I think is technically like Zod's theme, maybe. But um, it plays that music, which I thought was really evocative. Where like in the theatrical cut, first of all, the Superman stuff was shorter. That fight was very quick and not interesting uh, because it wasn't set up as well. But in this one, like. I don't know there's just something about there's something about the framing and the and the change of the music and also maybe the desaturation that just makes it seem like holy fuck like i know i know cognitively that superman is gonna see lois lane they're gonna fly to a farm he's gonna look into a sunset and be like okay i'm cool right but in the moment it just felt incredibly threatening you know like in the in the sense that like you know, like, when you rewatch Infinity War and we all know what happens, right? You can still kind of get caught up in the tension of it. That's right. what it felt like. And I think it was entirely just, like, the musical cue of, like, I remember the last time a Kryptonian went fucking berserk in Metropolis because this music played and it kind of put puts you in that headspace a little bit. And, like, I think that was fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with you on the musical point. I, st- I still don't like that, that scene, just kind of where you fight. Like, I just... It just... It feels like it, 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 it gets resolved too easily, right? Like, he wakes up, and then he, like, goes and, like, hangs out with Lois Lane, and then it's done, and it's, like, you know, five seconds of screen time. Still not a, like, still not a thing I'm a, a huge fan of. It's, it's a fun fight scene, 
right? Like, mm. and, you know, I wish they, they could do a little bit more to justify it more or, like, you know, maybe make bringing Superman back from wherever his, his mind is gone is important. It's also, like, this is also... Well, so I think they did a good job. This is something I really, I really didn't like in the theatrical cut. They didn't justify... It just felt like, oh, and now we have to resurrect Superman? Okay, mm. yeah, let's let's resurrect it. Like, they didn't come to that naturally, but in the Snyder Cut, there is a, a conversation. And it's actually a really good conversation. Like, it's probably more strategically deep than most superhero, like, planning session conversations get, outside of maybe, um, maybe, like, a couple of times in some of the, like, Avengers movies, I guess. I... I, I can't remember anything off the top of my head, but I want to include that caveat. But, like, there's a part where, you know, like, they talk about, okay, what do the mother boxes do? You can, you know, you can recreate a burning house. And Batman talks about, like, oh, this is a, you know, like, hiding the mother boxes is a losing strategy. That is a strategy to not lose. It's not a strategy to win. And, like, you know, that conversation, getting them to, we need to get Superman back because he's the only person that can, like, really put Steppenwolf down. Um, yeah, I thought it was very good and much, much better just from a plot perspective. Oh, I, I agree with than, that. I agree with that aspect of it. The theatrical cut. Absolutely. But yeah, I agree with you that him going crazy. I feel like him I, in the first one, they characterize it differently because they talk about like Pet Cemetery, where like the thing comes back and it's evil. Right. right. Um, which I understand is like, first, first of all, that's dumb. And this one, it didn't feel that same way without those lines, I guess. Um, like, you just do kind of get the sense that Superman is disoriented, he doesn't really remember what's going on, and he's sort of acting on an instinct of being threatened, and he snaps out of it, you know, like, more effortlessly, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It just... It just... <laughs> It, it just didn't help it keep it from feeling like, you know, a fight scene to have a fight scene because that would be cool to have a fight scene. I would I agree. Sure. It was cool to have a fight scene. Um, but, you know, uh, it's uh, – it, it just didn't it, – it, it didn't hit me right. But, you know. Ooh, I wanted Diana to put up a better fight, but I'm also a Wonder Woman fangirl. I also wanted Diana to put up a better fight. Um, I kind of wanted, to be honest, a little bit more of that just from like a like – a, I think I'm the only person in the world who likes this, right? Like the, uh, you know – the sort of super huge blowout, you know, Superman versus Zod at the end of Man of Steel. Like, that is my, I love that. And I would have loved to see something similar to that with Wonder Woman and Superman, who really can, you know, kind of go toe-to-toe. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. I also, so, I, I also thought that, like, kind of in general, Aquaman was a little bit wasted in this film. Like, he gets good moments, but, like, most of the film happens in like, or you know, the, the the big action scenes happen like in the middle of you know a park or like you know, in the middle of Russia near a power plant without like water in sight, right? So it just feels it feels like you know he gets a couple of moments, but I feel interesting. like interesting. I actually think Aquaman's moments in this are a little bit ruined because there's not a lot of new stuff. He stabs Stephen Wolf through the fucking chest. Yeah, sure. That was sweet. Like I don't know that there is a moment in a movie that is more perfectly aligned for me like this has happened to me in multiple D games in like rp i'm like wow rp my favorite thing to do with a character is to like stab someone through the back and have the blade like burst out their chest i always write that into my in, into my chin so it felt like i was being spoken to it's like hey buddy we know your favorite fucking character is aquaman he's also gonna do your favorite fucking move <laughs> like 
But um, but I think that the cool stuff that he does was like uh, you know it's like riding you know surfing on the the parademon the my man moment all that stuff is in the theatrical cut whereas it felt like everybody else had moments that were cut from the theatrical cut cyborg does the thing where he collapses the two buildings um, Batman has this whole interaction with like scaling the tower and shooting you know and shooting the parademon like defense gun. Um, Wonder Woman had a much better fight scene with Steppenwolf this time around. Aquaman also did, but that was kind of a combo attacks thing. Like, I like them using the pitchfork as a tuning fork. Cyborg shoots it with his sonic gun, and it, like, creates yeah. the blast or whatever. Yeah, I, I think I think my point is more, like, you, we don't get a lot from Aquaman that's, like, uniquely Aquaman, right? Like oh, we, sure. We, yeah. we, we, you know, he's, like, a strong dude with a weapon, and it's a unique weapon, and I think he gets, like, one, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, sonory attack. Like he hits someone like with the broad side of it, and it like does like a shockwave or something. But like, yeah, especially because the fight scene in Atlantis is expanded. Yeah, um, that fight scene is also in the theatrical cut, but it's much shorter. And you would think that like in the world where he can, you know, it, it, in his environment where he could summon a fucking you know whale to smack I don't know Steppenwolf with its fin. I don't know. I'm yeah. not. I'm not that guy. But. Um, that he would have done something like that. I will say though, the person who got the coolest moment for in there was Mira sucking Superman's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. blood out with her hydrokinesis. Holy fuck! That was fun. I was watching that part with Rachel, and Mira is Rachel's favorite character. Um, and we both were just like, because she says like a line, you know, like she, she, she's getting choked down. I'm like, this is kind of like a bitch moment for Mira. And uh, and then she like says a line and starts like sucking, and we were both like, oh. Shit! Fuck! Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, that 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 was the, it, it was great. I actually, I I liked I liked Aquaman's stuff underwater a lot. Um, except for mm. he kind of like glides through the water, and all I could think of was like you know he's just like farting, and that's what's propelling him through the water because like he doesn't like move his arms or body at all. He just kind of like goes and there's bubbles around him. But you know that's that's mm. you know, I don't I don't know how that's supposed to work. But you know, I also appreciate that part of that is a, a small thing that I think is different in the action scenes. And, and this is one of the things that I like about Snyder in general is that he puts these impact marks. You know, if somebody punches somebody else and they hit something, they don't bounce off it. They crater into mm. it, you know, and you get like the cracks in the stone and it's everybody, right? Including by the way, the flash who like theoretically, if he is getting hit hard enough by someone to like make a big, you know, DBZ crater, you would think he'd be dead, but you know, whatever. Um, and I think that that's something that was missing in the theatrical cut, but it's part of what makes Zack Snyder's filmmaking feel more, more visceral, right? Is like they're getting kind of, um, you know, like demolished through the through the uh, the terrain in a way uh, that just like is really brutal. Yeah, and there's often blood left behind, right? Like they like it wasn't with Aquaman, yeah. but with one of the Aqua Scouts or whatever they were. Like, yeah, adding the blood was a nice touch. I absolutely agree. Like the moment, I mean, this is part of what I like about that Amazon fight scene. Like Steppenwolf is straight up killing people, right? Like he hits you with his axe, and there's a big ass spray of blood, which makes sense. It's an axe. It's an axe that can cut through anything, according to like the lore. Except for Superman. Right? So you would expect that it's gonna leave big gouts of blood as it like cuts people's heads off and shit. Yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 it, it's it's a little bit more mature, and you know that's that's a good thing. It's a good way to differentiate it from the MCU MCU movies. Let's let's say. That's yeah. a, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, Definitely not rated PG thirteen though, mm. which is maybe a re I guess I would say. You couldn't have released this. 
Like people have some people have said like it's crazy that Warner Brothers like didn't release this. And I almost sort of think if this had been released, like let's say Zack Snyder stayed on the whole time and he released this movie, right? Um even a shorter version of this movie, I still think it would have been shit on at the time. I think I agree with you. Just because like there was a hate boner for Zack Snyder. It was 2017. Um, we were, and also crucially, we were in a pre-2018 Marvel space. Marvel hadn't really fucked anything up yet. You know, like, we hadn't had Captain Marvel yet. We hadn't really seen, like, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, which people were more negative on um, compared to some of, like, their other movies. I also think that those movies sort of shifted the tone of superhero movies away from the very, like, quips yeah um but yeah and that if this had come out in 2017 we might not have had that no i i I absolutely agree like i remember when we were talking about bbs right like i I remember like articles being like there was an article in gq i think that was like batman batman versus superman made me hate superhero movies right and it's like you know people are giving it like two so like this this is not a great movie like you know obviously you like bbs better than i do but like i didn't think bbs was a great movie but i didn't think it was so bad that people needed to like fucking lose their shit over it like they did and i feel like that was absolutely carried forward into justice league yeah like i think that uh, i think it was a tonal problem right like the tone of the zeitgeist at that moment was very different than it is now mm-hmm. right like in a post Thanos world where Thanos is really like doing some brutal, you know, like brutal shit. Um, I think people would be kind of more willing to sort of accept a a justice league of this kind of like caliber. Um, I also think that in a certain sense, you know, um, we had it like maybe actually the real litmus test for this would have been the last Jedi, which might have been a turning point in terms of that bathos humor, right? Like bathos humor is on the rise. And then the last Jedi hits, and all of a sudden, people really turn against it, um, which I don't know that I really would want to like stake that claim. But I feel like it's kind of like in there and and sort of around there. Yeah, I'd I, I buy that it's at least a contributing factor. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I also want to. I also want to say I really liked. Uh, so this is Nick in the chat. I really liked Aries. Yeah. No, I wanted to talk about this too. Susan this Aries kicked his ass. Yeah. This Golden Age fight I thought was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I was gonna point that out too. We we should talk about this a little bit. Um, I actually, people said that I, that moment I think was really great, and I would have kept every frame. It was so cool to have the whole thing kind of end over. Even with like you know like the red letter media guys made fun of um, like Gal Gadot giving this this voiceover. I did not have that. I thought it was I was very invested because I thought it was so sweet. Dark side owning the shit out of a green lantern and then watching the green lantern ring slide off his finger and go find another, you know, cause that's how the green lantern ring wor- rings yeah. work. That was fucking sweet. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I like, I like, I, I, I was like, maybe it could have, it could have even, it's like a touch more exposition as to like what exactly was happening. Right. Cause like, it took me a couple seconds to figure out like, you know, that that was supposed to be Zeus and Aries, right? Like, or like what exactly was happening. Right. And like, um, there were a little thing too. Like I didn't, I didn't think Zeus and Ares like their models looked great. Like it felt like they it felt like they 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 were not quite there. Which I, I assume is kind of a thing that was like maybe they didn't get the same love and tender loving care that the that the rest of them did because they were like kind of like an extra thing, right? That was all brought back in. They weren't in the original cut, right? Like I think they were, but just for a couple of frames. Yeah. Because in the original cut, there was no mention of Dark Side. Right. Which is a big thing, obviously. Um. 
Yeah. But because I think actually also technically the Green Lantern was there, but he's just there as part of the overture of the battle, right? right? Like flying in, you know, he doesn't have that whole fight scene with with Darkseid where Darkseid kills him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that Green Lantern? Like I felt like I recognized that Green Lantern. Is that like a known character? I don't. It might. So uh, it might be a relation of Tomar Two, who is the Green Lantern from the Sector, just. So we are in Sector 2814, which is where Earth is, um, and like Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, right, all the Earth Green Lanterns come from there. In the Sector 2813 is where Tomar 2 comes from, who's kind of, um, it's like an orange guy with a beak. And I didn't see the beak, but he was definitely kind of orange with like the the frill or whatever, and I was like, is this a reference, uh, or is this just so, random? I don't know. Yeah, I thought he might have been the one, like, he looked, and maybe, maybe this is me worth remembering, but like... The original Green Lantern, the one with the yellow weakness, um, uh, like it looked like it might have been the alien that like it's like can't be the same one. Oh, Abin Sur, who gives them. So Abin Sur is pink, not orange. Okay, but I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, I might, I might be misremembering. Like, like I said, it's it's been a while. I, I read those comics like way back in the day. Like they, they were the, my library had a collection of like the original, like the you know Green Lantern number one or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me that we haven't had a good, like, Green Lantern, the Green Lantern comics are famously amazing, uh, especially in this time period, right? Like, um, kind of starting in 2003, going all the way, maybe for 10 years, right? Like, that 10-year run of Green Lantern is phenomenally good. Um, and we haven't had a, we haven't had a good adaptation of it anywhere. Yeah, and like, to me. like... I don't think Ryan Reynolds is the right character for like a Green Lantern. Like, like you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't oh have God, the same connection. So but like, you, even you know even without right, like there's pretty funny. Ooh, what's wrong with the Ryan Reynolds film? Everything, buddy. Fucking everything. Let me tell you. Um, I this movie has actually made me reevaluate some of the other DCEU movies. Like, I think I think better of Birds of Prey than when we reviewed it, and I worse of Wonder Woman 1984. Like at the time. I thought Wonder Woman 1984 was kind of like, it was just kind of like a kid's movie, and it was this, like, lark, and I couldn't get mad at it or whatever, but, and I don't know why this is the case, but I saw someone do a ranking, and I just kind of mentally was like, okay, where would I rank some of these movies? And I was like, man, I would rank Wonder Woman 1984 much worse now. Maybe because I've seen how cool Diana can be. Like, her first fight scene with the thing where she was blocking all the... The bullets, that was sweet. That was awesome, right? Like, I don't know. It's just something about that that like kind of changed my. Um, it sort of changed my my framing in for in respect to some of these other movies. Yeah. So I I uh, I so I agree that like her blocking the bullets was was cool, but like that scene kind of like that 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 scene was the type of scene where it's like you know you're probably gonna call it nitpicky bullshit, but like there was just too much of it for me. Right, it's like they they were going to blow the briefcase up and just take out four building or you know take they said take out a four block radius. Why did they put a timer on it? They weren't trying to escape, right? Why not just turn the key and have it explode immediately? <laughs> I would call that nitpicky bullshit, but you know what? Fair enough. And yeah, and there was uh, there was like a like he also like takes a while to reload his gun, and Diana just kind of like waits for him to reload his gun before like she you know she does stuff to it. Like it, that scene like didn't read great to me, but you know it was it was still neat. It was still cool, you know. But like you know it's. <laughs> it was yeah, villains villains are definitely dumb. dumb in these movies i do think that there's something about like the tone of this movie that sort of changed that in a way like part of my willingness to accept 
this version of Steppenwolf is just that, like, the tone is more mythic and, like, epic. Mm. Right? Like, I... I here, the, the thing that makes Justice League work in a way that is different than the Avengers works is, like, the Avengers is sort of, like, a group of sort of, like, relatable... You know, like, these are, like, people that I that I understand on a very relatable level, right? They, this is a group of essentially humans interacting in superhuman scenarios and situations, right? The Justice League doesn't feel like that. The Justice League feels like a pantheon of gods, right? Who are, you know, sort of representative of, like, bigger... Just, like, I don't know, it's just bigger than that, right? Um, or almost more like Lord of the Rings, in a way. Um, which puts it in it like puts me in a different headspace when i'm watching these characters compared to the like the theatrical cut or like the marvel movies right um which to be honest i think is his credit right like grant morrison very famous justice league writer who rebooted the justice league in 1997 um his whole his whole thesis for his whole jla run was these are these are gods who walk the earth and this is their pantheon right um and i think all that works just it, it really comes across in this movie in a way that i that i really enjoyed though i will say and i said this at the front i am a little disappointed that the movie isn't more like interesting or more complex in the way that man of steel and bvs were like those movies clearly had really interesting questions to sort of ask about the superhero genre in general right um specifically like things like to what extent does clark owe the people of the world you know a, a responsibility to help them right and at what point is he allowed to sort of like step away and keep his power to himself where the ant and, and like there's really none of that stuff in here mostly because the public is sort of a non-issue right like the only real interactions we see is like in the introductory sequences for diana aquaman and the flash where like the flash is saving people aquaman is obviously coming to this village or whatever diana's like you know, talks to that little schoolgirl or whatever. But for the most part, like, this movie doesn't really care all that much about, like, yeah. the civilian populace and how they interact with civilians. They, they stripped the, 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 the civilians out of the Russia area. Right? Oh, thank God. That was the worst. I fucking hate it. It was, that. but, like, I, I think the Red Letter Media guys pointed out yeah. that, like, you know, like, the Zack Snyder doesn't care about people. Like, it, it's like a story beat, which I think is fair and it's fine. But, like, I think it definitely plays into that, like, you know, superheroes or gods type of framing, which is, you know, a different framing than Marvel. Like, Marvel is very much like superheroes or people, um, you know, just like you and me type of deal in, in, in a lot of ways. They also have a lot more heroes that work like that, right? Like, um, uh, like you know, like there's no, like, Ant-Man or Falcon in, in, in uh, at least in, in the Justice League. I don't know if there are in, uh, in, in you know, kind of like the comic just League. But, yeah, this is sort Batman, of what, I, what I liked about, this is why I was remembering Birds of Prey a little bit better, because... In a certain sense, Birds of Prey does sort of remind me. I just, I just sort of liked. I don't know. I had, I had that thought where I was like, where would I rank some of these movies? And, um, and the thing that's nice about Birds of Prey is that it doesn't deal with any of this like grandiose shit, right? It's just about a gangster in a corrupt city, you know, like in a corrupt city, and a group of ladies go and kick his butt. And I just think there's something nice about the simplicity of that. Shazam is also sort of in that same sort of spot. Where it's just sort of um, like a very simple, straightforward, but also pretty small story. It's very contained compared to sort of the, you know, the massive globe-hopping, super serious adventures of, you know, like of the wider Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still don't like Birds of Prey. So, you know, there's that. But 
But I, I take I take your point. I take your point. I guess. Um, it did also make me like Aquaman much better because this feels like a real companion piece. In in a certain sense, it feels like Aquaman is in a different universe, like cinematic universe, than some of these other DC universe. But it is absolutely in this one. You know, like yeah, yeah. There is a very direct through line between you know the final battle in Aquaman and that prologue sequence for like Darkseid attacking the Earth five thousand years ago. Um, that like connected those dots a little bit better. Is there any like so? Is there anything that like d- does everything like work out kosher between those two movies? Because like I, things seemed a little jumbled in my mind. Like, um, I think the only weird thing is that in Aquaman everybody has very slicked back hair compared to in Justice League. In Justice League, Volkel has these long flowing locks. Um, but one of the things. And my understanding is this is a technical concern because what they do when they film the underwater sequences, they just kind of like put you on wires and you just mime swimming and then they like fill in around you water with CGI, right? right. Um, which means that you have to make the, you have to CGI their hair. So like all of Aquaman's hair in this was CGI'd. Um, and I think that they just didn't want to have to do that for characters in like Orm has a very, has a very slim, you know, sleek haircut. Uh, Volko has a very sleek head cu- haircut in uh, in Aquaman. I do think everything works out technically correctly, um, except for maybe the armor of the troops, because like we see what Atlantean soldiers y- are wearing when they're protecting the mother box, and it's not the same as what the Atlantean soldiers are wearing in Aquaman, because they have those like white bodysuits or whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, I guess that's not even true because when Arthur fights Orm in Aquaman, he wears that golden brass sort of armor that the 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 guards are wearing. So I guess that armor does exist. Maybe it's just I don't know, outdated or something. Yeah, I guess it works out pretty well. I think my favorite thing actually is that when he first talks to Mira, he is looking at the armor that he will later, the armor in the trident that he will later inherit um, as part of his you know, sort of Excalibur moment character arc in Aquaman, which was very neat. I remember thinking at the time, like, I, I like the five the five fork trident or the five the quindent, I guess. Um, that's actually more comics accurate. In the comics, his his trident is technically a quindent, um, though it changes. The artists all draw it their own fucking way. Um, but uh, you know, if there's something about the. I don't know. There's just like there's something about the the world building production design that I think probably wasn't super ironed out between the two films. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. What else? I get, we need to talk about the we need to talk about the crazy ending. Mm, oh um, yes, yes we you do. You said that it would it would work better as a post credit scene. I absolutely agree. I was sitting there like, what the fuck? Because this is clearly a sequel tease, but for I guess a movie that's never going to get made. Yeah, Maybe it is. Are they going to announce a? Res- are they going to renounce a restore the Snyderverse? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, was, was this like Zack Snyder going for broke? It's like you know, doesn't you know? I, I, this is my last chance. <laughs> I would love that. I would go ape shit for that. I mean, honestly, not even with him at the helm. I think there's a version of things where they restore the continuity of the Snyderverse, but with other directors. That's fine. I like Jason Momoa in continuity with 
you know, like Gal Gadot, obviously. Um, I love Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck as Batman in this is better than Ben Affleck and Batman and Batman for Superman. And I think he's the best on-screen Batman we have ever had. Um, and uh, there's something about, I don't know, there's just something about... Um, Be- better than uh, than Dark Knight Batman? Yeah, I mean, I, I like... I have the controversially, I guess. Um, I don't think that those are very like true Batman. I actually think Ben Affleck's murdering Batman and Batman v Superman is more comics accurate than the Christian Bale Batman, which is, uh, that's maybe the hottest take. There's your hot take, Phelanor. <laughs> have fun. Like just because um, Christian Bale is, he's sort of he's so divorced from a lot of the root stuff in the comics, right? Like there's no, there's no Robin. Um, there's no kind of interaction with like bigger, crazier stuff than that. Um, I don't know. There's just something about like the heightened reality of the BVS version of Batman, right? Um, that feels more true to Batman in the comics that I know and read, um, than the low fantasy in a sense version of christian bale's batman mm. does that make sense it does to me yeah yeah i think i think ben affleck might be the best bruce wayne but i i, I also think the action is really the action is really bad in those movies which is part of it uh, yeah so so the funny thing is like like i said i've read a lot of the older comics and for that reason mm-hmm. i like adam west best as the best on screen <laughs> <laughs> you know what honestly that's fair enough and th- this is very this that's a very real thing though like it is a lot of the era that you read like something i think that's maybe a little bit unique to my flavor of comics reading is that the comics that i read which in what we would call the modern era right like kind of starting in the late 90s 2000s right those comics are fucking brutal so like like for instance i saw a moment I, I saw a tweet with like a million likes and i hated this I saw a tweet that was just like, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, the Justice League works together to disembowel and chop Steppenwolf's head off in a rated R, you know, like, movie for, like, kids or whatever. And I'm like, honestly, the comics I read are more graphic than that in a lot of situations, right? Like, that is very accurate as far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, right? Like, in, in the co- like. I don't want to say, like, in the comic stuff with Steppenwolf is whatever, but, like, you know, Kyle Rayner, who's Green Lantern, shoots a bunch of green arrows on fire and permanently mutilates Sinestro's back so that he has a gigantic burn scar in the shape of a Green Lantern, like, sigil or whatever. Dude, Aquaman's fucking hand gets cut off for, like, a decade. He is just lacking a hand because it got cut off. By a villain forcing him to put it in a in a pool of like murderous piranhas. I know that sounds dumb, but in the in the comments, uh, which villain brutal. is this? Um, that's not it's not in the film. That's in that's in. No, like, I said uh, which villain. Oh, villain! Uh, the villain is called Charybdis, okay. who is a. Uh, it's like he's named after like the ancient whirlpool that like kills a bunch of people in like the Odyssey or something like that. Anyway, what he does is he can also control fish, and he just like out. He just, like, mind controls Aquaman, forces him to put his, his head in the thing, and then the piranhas eat his fucking hand. Like, I, that stuff feels comics accurate to me. Brutal it, shit happens in the comics all the time. Doesn't Stephen Black Manta... getting cut off is sweet. Doesn't Black Manta kill Aquaman's son? Yeah, Black Manta kills Aquaman's kid. A baby. <laughs> and that isn't even from the modern era. That's from the 70s, right? Like, I don't know. Like, 
I mean, he butchers people. Black Manta is like basically a serial killer. Um, one of his one of his main motifs in the comics is that he like guts fish, so he uses these like knives. Um, like in one of the most recent comics, um, like in 2013, they did a, they did a series called Forever Evil, where like evil versions of the Justice League come over. Um, and the villains all get together to kill those versions of the Justice League. Captain Cold, who shoots like the cold gun, is the Flash's like main nemesis in a lot of in a lot of situations. And um, and he finds the evil version of Flash, freezes one of his legs, and then kicks it so that the ice that his leg has turned into shatters. And it's like astoundingly brutal. So I, I think that stuff is very in line with with the comics and is not at all right like the sort of pg-13 violence i feel like is a is a fiction of the movies i guess um and not true to sort of like the comics that that i know of i guess well that's 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 very fair i guess Plus it was sweet to see steppenwolf's yeah. head get fucking no. cut off right? I will, <laughs> so like the, the head getting cut off was like was like cool and like the what like it was very you know kind of like cool and cinematic the way like it like goes under Darkseid's foot. But, like, the thing that, like, really got me was, like, Batman just, like, showing up being, like, ha, 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 destroying the axe and, like, lasering off his horn. And, like, like in, like, three seconds, it was, like, no effort. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, Clark. Like, yeah. I thought it was I great, loved, but... to be honest, I love that. I thought that was fucking yeah. sweet. No, it was. And it's <laughs> funny because um, in the, th- that whole thing got completely rewritten in, uh, in the theatrical cut. Um, but, like, in a certain sense, the theatrical is also weirdly more brutal than this because Steppenwolf actually gets his axe into Cyborg and, like, cuts Cyborg open or whatever, which is, like, I guess you're allowed to, dis- to like, disfigure him because he's a robot? I, I don't even know. Um, so so I want to point out that I will link this in the description, but Nick just linked uh, the comic where Black Manta finds out that, uh, like, I think it's that Aquaman's back and he just, like, murders everybody and, like, walks into the sea. Yeah, ex- <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, how the fuck is, like, <laughs> the blood in Justice League not worse than all of this blood? <laughs> and, like, and this is also, I mean, there's, there's a part that echoes the thing with the piranhas where Black Manta chops off, the, he is in a fist fight with Aquaman, where he has two knives, and he chops off one of Aquaman's hands, and it gets la- it gets healed like later. But he's sitting there, and he holds his hand, and it's like red and bloody or whatever. And it's just like, dude, comics are fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they absolutely yeah. Um, yeah, we should talk about this like non-post credits, post credits scene though. Like, okay, yeah, getting yeah, away from so me. they go back to the the future universe. They go back to the future with Doc Brown. You know, for for yeah, half, the, a hot second, I had to look up who who Alfred was because I thought it was like the actor who played Doc Brown. Because that, that would have been funny. <laughs> um, where it is Batman, the Flash, Cyborg, Deathstroke, Mira, who is using Arthur's trident, but like the good trident that he gets in the Aquaman movie, Deathstroke, and the Joker, and they're talking about how. Superman is still evil and all this other shit and they need the Joker for something and they have a whole interaction. I like that interaction a lot though. People are really overselling it. People, this is not the best like Batman Joker interaction ever. Please shut the fuck up about that. He doesn't um, even say we live in a society. They lied to us in the trailer. He doesn't even say we live in a society. Yeah, we, we later learned that Jared Leto recorded that line for the trailer. Um, so, uh, 
I'm so I'm so depressed that we don't actually live in a society. Uh, and this happens at the end of the movie to set up that even though the Justice League has stopped Steppenwolf, the future that Batman dreamt in BVS is still a possibility. Like it's still coming for them because Darkseid is still out there or whatever. Okay, that's a that's a sequel hook. It's a little fucking it's a little fucking weird. And then Martian Manhunter shows up and it's like, hey, by the way, put me in your sequel, please. Thanks. See you later, bud. He also shows up randomly in the middle of the fucking movie. Like, which is, like... So, I actually don't think that that's random. Uh, so, do you know the voice? Could you... Did, did, you, did you know the, the actor? Of Martian Manhunter? No. So, yeah, so that's General Swanwick. I think people miss this just because they don't know the continuity of the DCEU movies that well. That's General Swanwick. In, um, in Man of Steel, he's, like, the black general who is, like, talking to, you know, like, he's, like, the person that orders Superman to be, like, detained or whatever. Um... It is he is the same character and he has a rapport with Lois Lane. He's the one in BBS in the Ultimate Edition where when she's looking into the bullet to to prove that Lex Luthor is the one who like framed Superman for all of the dead bodies in uh, in Africa. Um, he's the one who gives her that information. So like it that moment makes sense, but it only makes sense if you understand that wider continuity, right? Like this is General Swanwick who has a personal relationship with Lois Lane, keeping up with Lois Lane and keeping tabs on her. Right. Yeah, but like, um, why, why, you know, why did you do it as Martha? Right, like, like, I don't know. yeah, like th- that was the thing, right? It's like I was like, is this gonna come out in like in the cornfield? Is like Martha gonna be like, oh, okay, I, I actually, you know what? Now that you put it that way, I guess I see it. That is that is sort of weird, because because at the time, yeah, that's interesting. At the time, that was my thought. I was like, oh, like General Swanwick, mostly, obviously know each other. And he's and he's just like keeping up. I didn't really think about it that. Yeah, I mean, that, like but. because now that you put it that way, it makes even less sense because like he could have showed up as General Swanwick. And as just, General Swanwick, yeah, it's exactly my thoughts. So. Don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, but yes, that that whole that whole ending sequence was like, what the fuck, right? Like, if it's Injustice, yeah. that's cool, right? Like Lois Lane dies, right? That's like, you know, the, I, did you you played Injustice, right? Like the the, yep. the yeah, you know. Um, it is also very famous that that that's just like a famous thing. Like Lois Lane dies. Sometimes as Superman changes, like in the Kingdom Come version of Superman, he just retires. Um, like the Joker kills. So what happens is the Joker kills Lois Lane, and another superhero murders the Joker for it. And Superman takes him to court and is like, "You murdered a guy. You should go to jail." And the court upholds that because the Joker was such a crazy menace to whatever and was like killing people that actually the superhero who murdered the guy was is not guilty um and then superman leaves he goes to the fortress of solitude and he does not return to human society for 10 years um but yeah so like that's a pretty common thing in the injustice universe it is just the joker murders lois lane and superman becomes a bad boy well superman murders him back like superman kills the joker right and uh you know and becomes a tyrant and Lex Luthor is good in that universe, so he makes yep. super pills so that the Joker from our universe or from the the first universe can come over and like do Mortal Kombat. Uh, and also, because it's Batman the plot of a video game. Good, right? uh, no, so everybody, so the people in the Injustice universe, like Lex Luthor and Batman, I think are working together. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Like the only one that does like a real switch is, is Lex. Um, and then because there's a couple of people who are still members of the Justice League. Like, I think Diana, the Flash, maybe Cyborg, are all still working with Superman as part yeah. of the Justice League. Yeah. Like, being tyrants, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and like, people come over from the Earth, like, the, the Prime, like, it's, 
the other video game, because, like, if I remember correctly, it's not the Earth 2 or whatever, whatever the Prime one is. Like, uh, it's the Prime video game universe, which has its own number, and they go into a different video game universe because nothing... Yeah, yeah they also are... They also are throwing back to the old Justice League cartoon show, which had this also same plot point, um, which is Lex Luthor leads to Lois Lane's death, and then Superman uses his heat vision to lobotomize Lex Luthor, and then the Justice League take over the world. So, evil Superman is still in some sort of cards, and I guess, theoretically, if we have a, a Justice League 2, mind-blowing as that might be, uh, that would be yeah. where we, that would be, like, where we go. And Joker, Joker pretty explicitly makes it about, like, talks about uh, alternate universes, right? So, like, you don't have to do exactly this is it. Like, you know, you could you could do, like, a, you know, a kind of, like, Doctor Strange-esque, right? Like, you know, like, you know, I've seen all possible futures type of stuff, right? Like, Yeah, so I, my thinking is that this seems to suggest that, like, the thing that is no longer a plot hole, like, for, for instance, in Batman vs. Superman, when the Flash comes back and he says, like, I'm too soon, it's Lois, right? Um, that is theoretically a plot hole in the theatrical version of Justice League. It just doesn't connect to anything and is completely unrelated. This puts a little more context to it, but doesn't actually, like, fill the plot hole. Because we don't really know what the Flash is, like, going back in time to, to do or, like warn anybody about but the the greater picture is just that just because Stephen wolf is defeated doesn't mean that dark side is you know like a neutralized threat and that future is still a possibility so like it's a sequel hook yeah um i don't know sequel hook into what uh, who knows yeah and then there's also like that that martian manhunter scene so i think those scenes are honestly pretty bad bad they're bad they're just i don't know they're bad scenes i guess Zack Snyder just doesn't like post-credit sequences because he hasn't had them in any of these movies so far uh, as post-credit scenes i think they would have been okay um not held to the same standard not yeah not held to the same standard i guess um and it also feels like you can do some like weird shit there without you know like just the fact that it is in a post-credit scene kind of signals the oh, we're bridging the gap. Like, this is the, the breadcrumb to the next yeah, movie yeah. sort of thing. Which, just putting something at the end of the movie doesn't quite do. It's, like, in the spot of a denouement where it's not actually, like, doing that. Also, I guess technically this movie has three of them because there's also the Lex Luthor Deathstroke scene which is, by the way, simultaneously way cooler and also way lamer. And I'm really sad about it because if you remember the theatrical cut, Lex Luthor is like, I'm putting together the Injustice League, which I think would be a fucking sweet idea because in almost all of these movies, the bad guy never actually dies and you can bring him back, which is unlike the Marvel movies where they're all fucking dead, right? Like you can never really like bring back an old villain because um, they all tend to like blow up and stuff like that. But you could do an Injustice League movie where you have Dr. Savannah, where you have... Um, uh, Orm from Aquaman, where you have Ares, where you have Lex Luthor, and where you have Deathstroke, and like there's your Injustice League, and I love the Injustice League or the Secret Society of Supervillains. They're called a number of different things, right? The Doom, um, uh, the Legion of Doom is obviously like another version of them, and that is completely awesome, unexplored space that the Marvel movies have never done. Black Manta also easy, easy inclusion in those. Um, I guess technically you could do Cheetah. Oh, that would suck. Uh, <laughs> you could do you could do maybe some people from Suicide Squad get back Will Smith as Deadshot, mm. who uh, I I miss dearly. Um, you could uh, I guess they're doing a new they're, they're doing the new Suicide Squad, so maybe some people out of the James Gunn Suicide Squad. Um, anyway, 
I don't know. I, I loved that as a, as a teaser. The thing where Lex Luthor tells Deathstroke that Bruce Wayne is Batman is cool, and I like that a lot, but it feels very limp because we don't, we're not getting that movie, right? Yeah. When, when it was the Ben Affleck directed just, or Batman movie, um, that script was Batman versus Deathstroke, which I thought was cool. That's a sweet fucking concept, but now we're doing Robert Pattinson, so. Did you see that, like, apparently um, they put, like, a symbol on Deathstroke's back that's, like, a halo symbol? Um, and appar- so apparently what happened is, like, if you Google Raja Ghoul uh, symbol, it's, like, from a fan fiction that somebody wrote, and they used the halo, like, this halo emblem from, like, the halo games in it. Um that was like being memed over the internet. A couple of uh, yeah, Sword Hill. Uh, Nick points out was on a Sword Hill. That it was it was a oh. thing that people were clowning on uh, on the internet for a couple of days. Uh, so you know I, that that's just <laughs> that's just fun. like you know this is the type of thing where like some some somebody's like needs to like make like set dressing for Deathstroke and like Google's something like this this happens in a couple different like, you, you there are stories about this happening in a couple different places since you know it's not like the prop the, the prop person's like some like expert on you know Raja Wilson symbology right so yeah um wow yeah <laughs> this is funny I, I did not see this but that's cool uh so yeah um we're about at the end of our, or we're over, we're over time for for yeah, uh, main... we are we are over time, but um, you know, we are getting the the Flash movie that Zack Snyder's a producer on, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, he was also produced. He's a producer of all these movies. Like he produced Aquaman, Wonder Woman. Um, I don't think the Shazam movies, but uh, or like Birds of Prey, but yeah. Um, well, maybe we'll see something else, but you know, time will tell. Yeah. Time, will, Time tell. will tell. I mean, this has been pretty huge. I was, I thought that this was going to just be a like a corner of the internet thing, um, but it has really blown up. It seems like everybody over the weekend, right, like was getting and watching Justice League. And honestly, I think my favorite part about that is that the movie is well liked and well reviewed. Like this is Zack Snyder's best reviewed movie, um, and by and large, most of the like most of the feedback has been positive that I've seen. Right. Um, but there's still a vert, like a, a section of like film Twitter that just hates Zack Snyder so fucking much that they hate the movie and they think it's bad, but it's a, it's like the hilarious reversal in a way, because so, so for years I've been following these two groups, right? You have the Snyder cut people who are constantly saying Zack Snyder's a genius. I love all of his stuff. And these people are getting dunked on constantly because everybody hates Zack Snyder movies. And part of the people doing the dunking are, like, the film Twitter people who, like, really hate Zack Snyder and are, like, going, going like, hard. But now it's sort of the opposite, right? Like, the Snyder Cut people are sort of vindicated. <laughs> and, like, you know, the, the, Twitter, the people who, like, make their career in a way, now that, that, that's overstating the case, but um, they are the ones who are sort of, like, against the public perception and the public opinion <laughs> because this is a pretty well... This is a pretty enjoyed movie, I guess. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Like, I don't know. I thought like, I kind of just like it's like a final takeaway. I want to say that like I think the kind of whole arc of the movie was good, and I I had a lot of problems with little details as we've kind of talked about and I, I you know griped a little bit about. But like, um, it's interesting to see it go that way because like, I think a lot of the devil is in those details, and you know, like Ooh. I said, I think it's like a. An okay movie, not a great movie, six to seven. And you, you, I think you're a little bit more positive, but you're kind of in the same. So it's interesting to, to, to see it go that way. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
Uh, how was your week? Tell me all about it. Uh, it was all right. You know, I, I, what did I do? I, I played a little bit of WoW. Oh, I, I, so I did dip my toes into the Crusader Kings 3 uh, pack, the, the culture pack. Um, uh, Northern Lords. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, for those who don't know, uh, they just dropped a culture pack. The Norse get a bunch of features, like you can sacrifice Christians for piety um, in like a like a blood mood or something. I forget what it's called, like God's – God's. you do a big festival, and then you can designate someone to be like your, your, your happy, sappy, super sacrifice – and if it's like you know not a, a Norse person, it's great. Um, and you can also sacrifice like people for for uh, for piety too. I think that might have been the base game because like the Norse are like, yeah, sacrifice people. Who cares? Um, I played as Iceland for a bit. I was fooling around with some. Of the, so some of the new features include like you can um you can declare a war if you're a count or a duke. You can declare a war to capture a duchy far away. And you just take that over. Um, and But you lose your old holdings and you become, like, you just switch places with them, essentially. It's not switch places because they, like, people take over your old stuff. But, like, you can you can just take a, take a duchy on, like, the shore. I was winding up to do that, but I just never got, a, I never got to it. And then I became a king, so I couldn't do it anymore. But it looked neat. I was going to, like, and apparently you generate a bunch of soldiers. I was going to go, I was thinking about maybe trying to take over Brittany. But, like, the thing that, like, doesn't work super well is, like, or the thing that I think that, that doesn't come across super well is that, like, a lot of the places are either, like, not far away to be interesting, at least for at least for Iceland, because I, I chose to play as Iceland. Like, doing this swap with, like, Ireland would not be super interesting. Like, I was, like I said, I was thinking of doing Brittany, and you can't go for, you could, like, I couldn't do it with Spain. They were too far away for, for them to, to be diplomatically cognizable or whatever. Um, diplomatically interactable. Um, That's interesting. That kind of reminds me of Hearts of Iron, where, like, um, most of the expansions aren't really about affecting the core gameplay. Um, like, if you were to start up Hearts of Iron and play the United States now, it'd be pretty similar uh, to playing it at, like, launch. But what they do is when they release new stuff, it's just, like, these small bits of the world where it's like, hey, man, if you want to play New Zealand, we've got you, <laughs> right? Like... Yeah, no, and they've said they've said that like this is a culture pack. It's supposed to be a little bit smaller in scale, right? Like like the big mm. system changes will come with the expansions, and this is mostly about like highlighting and, and tweaking the the Norse stuff, which is neat. Um, and of course, they're going to do the Norse first because they are like basically Viking. You know, they're they're like the descendants of Vikings out in uh, wherever they aren't they based in like Stockholm or something like that. Maybe I, yeah. I don't know the details. To be honest, they're they're very they're they're very Scandinavian. If you watch any of their streams, they're like Bjorgen, Jorgen, Jorgen, which uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, they might be Stockholm. They might be Oslo. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I do know that they are. I do know that they are in, you know, Scandinavia somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up real quick. Uh, oh, Stockholm. Yeah, Stockholm. Thank you, Nick. Okay. Uh, thanks for fact checking us. We love our audience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, so otherwise I just played some WoW, right? Like, I, I didn't really do anything. You just raided, so you were there, too. So, you know. Uh, we got Sludgefist, hey, man. We did, that we did. We got Sludgefist. That, was, that, was, that, that felt really great. That it felt is really remarkable great. how much my DPS imp improves when I'm not chained. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you just don't have to, like, think about it. Either. Like, it's just like, ah, I can I had I, On our final pull, I wasn't ch No, I was chained once of the four chains that go out. 
So it was just like, I felt free as a fucking bird. You know, you could do all these dumb tricks like heroic leaping out, you know, and then charging back in uh, to get extra globals on the boss. Like, mm, 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 I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was good. It, it, felt, it felt real good. It felt real good to knock that down. And then also generals went, okay, we didn't get it down, but like, you know, it felt like it felt very doable, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like starting, it, you know, it's the start of progression. I feel like it's going to be easier than Sludge Fist. Like, Sludge Fist was just so punishing for melee. Yeah, yeah. And our our whole raid is, like, so melee stacked. And um, to be like, fair, a lot honestly, of... Go on, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Honestly, like, part of it, I think, is just that um, we had a couple of people from our melee core, not, like, Savitar wasn't there, for instance, and we had a couple of people who don't normally make Thursdays uh, in our ranged core show up, like Bella, um, who does, like, big boy big boy damage on on hunter um and i think that was it right like just having the right spread of melee and ranged is really what you know was able to sort of push us over the line also marking the one person and following the one person seemed to be yeah. a huge well, improvement well i i think the big one was that was actually like figuring out how to position sludge fist on like that third pillar so that yeah so that we you know we had room to maneuver right because like like we were like running into corners and like that like like I got hit by, like, over the course of our runs, I got hit by a lot of boulders just because, like, I couldn't see them super well. And, like, I think mm. that, like, I feel like in the last one I got hit maybe by one or zero. And I feel like just, like, the, the ability to move around and, like, see things better super helped with that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I feel that for sure. I almost sort of wish that they would put debuffs on you that signal you're going to get hit. Like, you know, imagine those, the pillar zone. Imagine that does, like, a small amount of damage. Because something that happened to me constantly was I thought I was outside of the ring, and then I would get crushed mm. and stunned by the pillar. And I was like, man, this fucking sucks. That or, like, a DBM yell or something. But that, yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's obviously third party. That's actually in, an interesting thing to, to maybe talk about a little bit. Like, it feels like some sort of DBM or DBM equivalent is, like, necessary in order to get, like, in order to do these raids. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important in, like, I don't think someone running the base client could perform at very high levels. Like, WoW has such a symbiotic relationship with its add-ons. Um, like, I think about, like, weak auras, right? Like, weak auras are huge for my ability just to, like, visually track everything that's going on. And WoW sort of, as a game, has expanded into that space, right? As if it's part of the core design of the game, but it's not. It's, like, like... I guess it is in a sense that they have a, a, a very customizable API that you can, you know, use. Um, but the game itself, it, it feels like it would be impossible to clear, you know, like heroic Castle of Denathria without it without a single add-on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and like I think you could maybe get away without weak auras, right? Because weak auras is just kind of like moving stuff around, right? But like, even then, like, you know, it's, I, 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 it's kind of... It's kind of curious, maybe that like the games basically like you you like you they're basically mandatory for for, for some some sorts of content. Yeah. And it's funny how like better and better and easier. I think what, uh, an interesting thing about WoW is like that it trivializes certain kinds of things. Um, so for instance, uh, there's a there's an add-on called Decursive that tracks when someone gets a debuff that you can strip from them, right? So if you have like a purge. Like you can get rid of their curse or whatever. It'll it'll give you an alert and say, hey, you can you can purge this or whatever. Um, and I kind of removes the thought that has to go into those mechanics in a way, 
right? Like, it's not like you need to practice the dungeon and see, oh, here is the cast that the boss does. This is going to nuke someone. I need to strip this debuff from them ASAP, right? You just kind of let the add-on make those decisions for you, which um, sort of sucks in a way, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like the, the the silliest version of this. I think was like back in Battle for Azeroth, there was like a world quest where like the barrels would jump around, and like at some point, DBM added like oh my we God, would check Legion, the, yeah, or Legion, Legion, right? Like we, we would track the uh, would track the barrels hopping around for you, so you didn't have to think about it, which is kind of like, I guess, right? Like. I, don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I used that add-on. I had it. It was like, well, yeah. and I, I had a sort of moral objection at the same time that I just accepted it. Yeah, right. Like, yes. you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn it off, right? Like, you know, and there's like, you know, I, I get it sometimes, right? Like, there's a level of like, oh, I've done this world because like 40 times. Do I really need to fucking do it again, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and it's also sort of like, especially when you're playing it like an insanely, you know, like when I'm pushing in high mythics or in like heroic raid, it's just like so different than like the world. Like world content is not challenging ever or it's like a little bit challenging in the maw sometimes because like the maw has those extra mechanics. But like for the most part, I just don't have any sort of... um, I just don't have any sort of trouble ever in like world quest content, which is kind of the point. I like I, that. Fe- that feels good to me, right? Like I remember what it was like doing world quests when I was not geared at all, and it was hard, and things were chunking me, and um, and I grew out of that because I put seventy eye levels between that point in time and this point in time. Um, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. That's the way it goes, I suppose. What, what have you been yeah, up to I mean, this week? Lou in chat says, uh, I adore decursive. I have enough shit to manage without looking for tiny debuff icons and adding yet another hotkey. I healed without decursive this weekend, and it was miserable. I mean, f- yeah, fair enough, right? Like, I, I don't know what I think is, like, what, like, where is the line between those sorts of, like, mechanics and yeah, cause, the... Right, because, like... I don't think WoW is, for the most part, a game about mechanical execution, right? Like, it's 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 about, like, decision-making, right? And, like, quick decision-making. Yeah. I guess that, like, you know, deciding like deciding what to put on cooldown and, like, who to prioritize and, like, whether you can spend the mana efficiently is the, is the bigger decision there. And so that, in, in that frame, using it makes, like, more sense to me. Um, I don't know. I don't heal, so I can't. I can't give too much attention yeah, but that I makes mean, sense I don't, to me. I don't heal i don't heal either so it is the you know like it's it's the world we live in i feel like i feel like it's it's something that um like where does it matter and where does it not matter because there are definitely some mechanics in the game that i completely ignore essentially um just because they're so ingrained in my like i have never in my life i'm trying to think of a simple mechanic that like i have failed um i'm like a boss or something like that like i have never in my life been hit by the aoe damage that happens at the last boss of halls of atonement he does a big pool and he does a big cone right and he telegraphs it really obvious and it's like that those mechanics are just so easy to deal with that like getting hit by one first of all i'm sure it'd be one shot but just getting hit by one is like completely outside of the like my scope of understanding, right? Like when I'm thinking about that boss on a mechanical level, all that stuff is taken for granted. And I think in a certain sense, like the same thing could be said for like you know, um, 
uh, dispels and sh and shit like that. But like, I do it. Do, it would bother me in a way, right? Like, if I'm working, you know, like if I'm playing at a very high level and somebody else were to also be playing at that level, but like they were using an add-on that trivialized a piece of the package of like the fight. And so I don't. As a healer, I can't really say whether or not decursive like falls into that category. But like, imagine a um, imagine an add-on that tells you to push your cooldown, right? That that like reads the situation in the room and says, "Oh, you should bladestorm here," and it sort of removes that decision. I don't get to choose when bladestorm is up. I have an add-on that chooses for me, right? Um, <laughs> just just hit the button on GCD bad. and the add-on chooses which one it should be for you. Yeah, well, because like you know, like I mean. I, I think I think there's a version of this like a like a medium level player is is someone who, okay maybe there's a couple levels of this a low level player is not hitting blade storm at all let's say that a medium level player is hitting blade storm when they like are thinking about high burst damage they're not hitting it on cooldown a sort of highish level player is someone who is hitting it every 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 time it's up if bladestorm is up they're hitting it which is technically correct right like if i'm in a mythic you do you don't hold your cooldowns blow your cooldowns on whatever it is because like having more instances over the course of a 40 minute period is better than you know having it in the right instances in a lot of situations but a very very high level player will know there are sometimes a five or a ten second window where you want to hold right and like there are really intricate interactions there, and I like that 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 stratification is is very nice, right? And like I I'm in that top level obviously because I I played the class deeply and I understand it well and I understand the dungeons well, and so I'll know you know what I'm actually not going to blow Blade Storm here because I know that the next pack which we're going to be on in 20 seconds is a great pack to Blade Storm, and that will technically like those sorts of decisions are technically like inching me ahead. Yeah, you're, you're describing and like I would like... be very afraid afraid of that um i'd be very afraid of that kind of going away with uh with an add-on yeah that's like that's like the difference between you know like character mastery and like uh and encounter mastery right like that ain't like yeah. like the thing you're describing that in at the highest level it's like knowing the individual encounters rather than like because like the, that first thing is a thing you can do agnostic of what you're actually doing right it's just like hit you know hit blade storm when whenever it comes up right like so um, but yeah, no, that... yeah. Like Nick points out, you know, this is not. This is not. I, I think everybody who raids with us is raiding at this level because we were all talking, for instance, on Sludgefist, who has big damage windows, right, on the pillars. The high level player is holding for the correct damage window, right? Um, but we learned it was wrong it to hold sense. it for that, right? Like that was that was part of the learning process, right? Is to like. Well, so so at first we learned. At first I was holding all the time. Then I was not holding ever, and then I eventually ended up in this place where I was sometimes holding mm. for like ten or fifteen seconds because somebody was like, "Oh, at this, you know, you want to do it at this. It, it makes sense to hold for the second pillar or whatever." Um, and I think that like those sorts of decisions are the high level decisions that we're kind of making. Right. Yeah, and I I think I, I think you're right. Right. Like. Um, I feel like you even need that kind of like level of situational awareness to like reliably get through even normal, right? Like I feel like you can't like mm. like you know, or at least some of your raid has to be right. Like I feel like you could drag some people through that weren't thinking about it, but like at least some of the people have to be to have to to know what's up. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I mean, for most uh, for most mythics, it makes sense to wait for a damage amp phase. Uh, for instance, like because mythic bosses take less time a lot of the time; they'll only take 
you know, a minute or two. So you don't really get two cycles of a cooldown, right? Like, I need three minutes to get two blade storms off. Right. Which would hypothetically mean if a... Or, so, theoretically, a minute and a half, right? So if a fight is going to go longer than a minute and a half, I can go two blade storms. One right at the top and then one at the very end. But most of the time, if, if I kill that boss in a minute and 15 seconds, right? It actually makes sense for me to take that blade storm and move it to the most opportune point in the in the boss fight. So, for instance, on Kultharok, which is the typically third boss in Theater of Pain, Kultharok gives you a... 30% damage amp when you do the when you do the draw soul. So I hold Blade Storm until she does the first draw soul. And if I'm selected in that draw soul, I I Blade Storm at the end of it. Um in order to get like the 30% extra damage. Um but you know like obviously if I'm not if I'm not selected, I'll just probably blow it. Um and I think that that, that like that's the kind of stuff that, you know, having a deep understanding both of the the encounter and and where your class falls in in regards to it by the way speaking of all these mythics i timed a bunch of mythics this week uh, we timed halls mists what did, I, what did i had i had theater of pain i had necrotic wake last week and so i did halls mists and spires of ascension so i'm at five out of eight for keystone master which i'm very excited by thank you nice. <laughs> that's awesome yeah did you do anything um, else with your week well, did I do anything else with my week? I played a lot of Valheim. We're, we're progressing in Valheim into silver, which is interesting. I made a base in Plains, um, assuming that Plains was, it was like the biomes go meadow, black forest, swamp, plains, mountain. Uh, but it actually seems to be going meadow, black forest, swamp, mountain, plains. Because when you beat the swamp boss, it sends you to the mountains to go get silver. Um... And, you know, I'm, I'm just building, I, I, I have, uh, I built a, a little fort in the plains with the expectation that like, as I, as I sort of plant deeper roots, I will expand it into a much larger building project, um, which I'm excited to like get down for. But right now I'm just like on a silver expedition. Uh, me and Rachel have been working on like going to a bunch of silver deposits that she discovered and mining them up and then carting them back for smelting purposes. Um, the, the, the Valheim has quickly become a game that I can do that thing where I'm just sort of doing it on one screen and like doing something else on the other. Uh, the main thing I'm doing there is watching Hannibal. Have I told you that I've been watching Hannibal? No. The TV show? So there's some batshit insane fan drama that popped up in the Hannibal fandom, um, which is a little NSFW, so prepare yourselves, chat, for, for, for what I'm about to explain. Cover your virgin ears, um, Nick. The the Hannibal the Hannibal fandom, which has been going strong. Hannibal went off the air in 2015. Has been going strong ever since, um, because the core two guys, Hannibal and Will Graham, are uh, just like you know, like Will Graham is a, is like this this virtuosic uh, FBI profiler who can like get in the head of a th serial killer. Hannibal is obviously a forensic psychologist who is also a, a serial killer, and they're like you know. They're doing that like that dance that like the the Sherlock Moriarty dance or whatever. So they have all this like tension between them, and people just really want to make them kiss. Anyway, um, there is uh, a faction of people called Pro Shippers who are like creating fan art and fan fiction of this ship. And the Pro Shippers, um, one one fan artist in particular, drew a picture of Hannibal giving Will a blood. <laughs> That Brian Fuller, the showrunner of Hannibal, liked and commented a heart on on Twitter. 
a heart on, not a heart on, a heart on. Which, <laughs> like, everyone flipped out just because, like, the, the, it's like a senpai, it's the ultimate senpai notice me moment, right. right? Like, the showrunner of the show who comments a heart on your fan art um, would set off this huge thing because, um, you know, like, there's a certain sort of, like, ethical meant to certain kinds of ships, if that makes sense. And there is a really fucked up one when, when you consider, like, the Will Graham Hannibal um, ship. Hannibal induces memory loss in Will in order to protect his identity as a serial killer and eventually frame him for murders that Hannibal has committed, right? Um, which a certain, like, moralistic bent of the fandom has called, like, that's really fucked up and unethical and this is a really gross relationship that you guys are shipping so these are the anti-shippers right and then there are the pro shippers who i guess just think it's hot that hannibal and will graham fuck yeah so and it devolved into this gigantic twitter war and i was like i have to understand what this is going on so i've been watching hannibal <laughs> yeah no i've seen this stuff i didn't realize it was specific to hannibal i've like seen like pro ship yeah. and anti-ship I saw, I saw a tweet that was like you know you know, like somebody quote tweets, like you know, someone's like, "If you're pro ship, I don't want anything to do with you." And the, the <laughs> it, it, it quote tweets it and it says, uh, "I am land lover," or something like that. I was like, "Oh, that's, that's a funny joke." It's like a ship's like a boat, right? <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I didn't realize there was this whole head up. Like you know, I've I've seen drama about like fictional, like you know, like fictional shipping stuff. I'm just like, I know I fall very, very much on the side of like, they're not real in the first place. And they're double not real because it's not like official whatever, right? Like you yeah. Know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, like I mean, I I think in general I I, I fall along the same uh, lines as as uh, as you when it comes to this stuff. Like I just do not, I could not possibly care about the fake relationships in fake shows. It's like double fake, yeah. right? Um, and I also think that, like, this is the kind of thing that fiction is there for, right? I never want to be in a situation where my world is about to be consumed by Darkseid and Steppenwolf, right? But I like to consume media where I can sort of, like, you know, adopt those emotions in, in a certain sort of sense, right? Like, I never want to be in a tense gunfight, but I like watching media with tense gunfights because that's fun, right? And I and I think that, that that kind of thing is that that kind of thing is ultimately like fair enough, obviously. Um, but like, yeah, the fan, the 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 Hannibal, the Hanagram is technically what the ship is called. Uh, the Hanagram ship is just like maybe the most fucked up version of like a popular ship that I can think of. Like, I don't know that I could think of any other ship in the world where I would be like, woof. Yikes. <laughs> like, shipping these two characters is really weird, but okay. Anyway, I'll have you know yeah. that, show, that show is really good. I, I praised The Sopranos a couple of weeks ago. By a couple of weeks ago, I mean a couple of months ago at this point. For having incredibly realistic dream sequences, just because the dream sequences are completely nonsensical and, like, don't make any sense. And Hannibal gives it a run for its money. Hannibal's dream sequences are fucking weird and don't make a lot of sense and i love them <laughs> yeah well that that sounds that sounds like a ton of fun i don't know i got <laughs> i got too much on my plate already. i want to i want to go watch um fucking uh what is it the david lynch one season two no 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 i want to oh. 
Twin Peaks? Yeah, Twin Peaks. I want to watch Twin Peaks at some point because I have I never got. I have to... never done Twin Peaks, but I would be interested. Uh because I like yeah, I've never done Twin Peaks, but yeah, maybe maybe we should no. do that for, so, for a podcast. So I, I want to recommend to you if because this is really short. Um, David Lynch has a, a Netflix exclusive short called like um I think it's called like what Jack did, um which is like him talking to a monkey about like a chicken, like the like the chicken who is the monkey's lover. It is. Very weird, very esoteric, very great, a lot of fun. I really, I've watched okay. it a couple of times now. And it's like 15, 20 minutes, so doable. Well, well, we was, they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I recommend that to everybody at home, too. If you've got Netflix, go check it out. Um, you know, it's got, like I said, David Lynch talking to a monkey. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? No. Are we doing Kong versus uh, Godzilla on this cast? Are we? Should when, when does that come do you, out? Do you, do you have big feelings about Big Monkey versus <laughs> Laser Lizard? <laughs> I really love honestly. Big Monkey memes are just mm, mm. they're good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I like I'm I'm down for kind of like the weird like, gyp, like you know like invert you know hyper like you know how much. Godzilla is a giant monster and how much Godzilla is like a representation of like the nuclear horrors that Japan had to uh, endure and like uh, like the mm-hmm. politics like I think that that's super fascinating right because like the political like what Godzilla represents like morphs a lot like, you know he turns from like a villain to a hero right like you know and yeah. there's probably something in there about like the United States and you know and also like man they also changed like which like the American Godzilla was created at a different atoll than the Japanese Godzilla. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. I, I think one's the Bikini Atoll and one's the um, one's in like French Polynesia. Um, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole mess. They're both they're both like monitor lizards that like got transformed by a nuclear radiation or something like that. Um, <laughs> when when is Godzilla versus uh, King Kong come out? Uh, next week. Uh, actually, I might be wrong. When is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it is. It is the 31st, so next week it will come out. I was thinking, I was like, are we going to do Godzilla vs. Kong for our next episode? But it won't actually be out by then, because it comes out that Wednesday. Good. Because um, we obviously have HBO Max subscriptions, because we just watched the yeah. Snyder Cut. <laughs> Man. Uh, I, I wa- we still haven't done Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, I know. Which I sort of feel bad about. I have a bunch of hot takes for the Mandalorian Season 2. Well, we, we, we took a while. Older, Mango. I need to catch <laughs> up. I'm sorry. It? That's me. Hmm? Did you watch it? Oh, no, you haven't watched it. Not yet, not yet. I would say, like, our first Mando rewatch, or first Mando watch was, like, two, so I don't feel too bad. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. All right. Well, we should probably get out of here. We're, we're, we're over time. Um, yeah, we're way over time. If you'd li- Thank you so much for showing up, everybody in the chat. Yeah. You guys are the best. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to, to tell us what you think about anything we talked about in this episode, you can either show up in the chat when it goes live, or you can email us at games at gmail.com or uh, uh, podcast at com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash play games where you can watch these episodes live comment live you can see that we, we do we do the interaction with with our with our adoring fans thank you everyone uh you can do all the other stuff that i normally say like uh rate review us on podcast services and we've got a patreon too and we've got a youtube um you can comment on the youtube too i guess um but you know that's everything i have but do you have anything else you want to promote i have nothing else i'm looking to promote well in that case uh until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners